Hey, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Tara Scott, and I review sapphic fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And this week, I'm recommending a film that's available on, I don't know, like a whole bunch of streaming services. You look it up, you're going to find it somewhere in your region. Right. And I'm Chris Bryan, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books. And this week, I'm recommending a sitcom on CBS. If you would like to support the show, there's links in the show notes where you can contribute to our coffee, sign up for our newsletter, or even just tell a friend about it so that they can get all these queer media recommendations into their brains. Yay. So I started something pretty exciting for me anyway, since the last time we talked, I started drawing every day. And this is a big deal for me because... I mean, obviously, as a kid, I drew because I think every child right. draws or most children draw. But I was always more of a reader. And when I was in high school, one of my best friends, and I think we dated for like 10 minutes, um, he <laughs> was, it was not very long, <laughs> but he was an artist and he really wanted to go into comics and he probably would have got there eventually. He was so talented, but unfortunately he died uh, fairly young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I remember one day and he was trying to teach me how to draw. And specifically for some reason, I was trying to draw an angel and the eyes sucked and it was all awful. And I was like, I can't draw. And then I continued to tell myself that I can't draw Mm -hmm. for years. (laughs) And basically until last Saturday, when I said to myself, you know, I bet if I just drew something every day, I'd probably get better at it. Like, because if you just try things, you get better at them. Right. And then I learned I'm not awful at it. <laughs> I'm actually pretty okay nice. at it. And I was like, ah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I have not had the opportunity to enjoy this for the last, like, 25 years because of a story that I told myself about what I could mm-hmm. and could not do. And so this has been kind of the second or third thing that's come along since a few months ago I was finally diagnosed with ADHD and I started taking medication and it's interesting to see how by taking the medication I mean I'm I still have ADHD like I'm still you know like that's still a thing but like dropping some of those things that come with it and one of them is the perfectionism the I'm not going to do something unless I can do it a hundred percent and it's like well fuck so I'm going to show you. Oh, I get to see it. Little dude that I drew. Oh, it's a little cat drinking boba. Oh, that's adorable. It made me really happy. And like even just realizing drawing that because it's obviously I found a reference and I copied the reference. Right. But, but no, that's that's adorable. Yeah. <gasps> you can start designing your own tattoos. What? Uh, no, I. <laughs> You're like, no, no, I have a motif. <laughs> no exactly i have an artist they're right. coming back in may they're gonna finish Ooh. my leg piece then so yeah it's been very fun and the thing that i found really interesting and i'm mostly mm-hmm. mentioning in case any of my other adhd buds don't know this i've found that it puts my brain into the same kind of like calm quiet places meditation but it's much easier mm-hmm. than trying to meditate with adhd so what about doing jigsaw puzzles on your medication? I haven't tried. That's I can't stand point. jigsaws, though. I'm, but I'm not on medication for ADD. I just live my life. So, But I can't do jigsaws because 
it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know if that's like all of my attention on one thing. It makes me want to throw it. I, I don't really know what it is, but I'm wondering yeah. if drawing is also like a jigsaws would be the same. Cause I know a lot of people do jigsaws and it blows my mind. I don't understand that. I don't understand it either. I okay, haven't but... tried that since probably like ever. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Like ever. University. Nope, I had it. a professor nope. who really liked it. And so I ended What's up at her appeal? house doing jigsaws. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But maybe, maybe it is that like for people whose brains are more quiet than ours. Um, Cause for me, it was like, I, I would look for a while and then I was basically throwing my hands going, I don't fucking know. <laughs> you put it know. Where do the pieces go? I don't know. I don't have the patience for this. It's like, it's, you know, and I'm sure it's like some sort of meditation and time waster at the same time, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's just, I can't like, that's just too much, too much still time. Yes. Still. I can't be still for that long. I just can't do it. No, no, I, I, mm. I don't, I don't think I'm there. That's not mm -mm. the place I'm at in my journey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that maybe, I'll ever be there. <laughs> maybe someday. All right, Chris, yes. how about you? I hear you went somewhere pretty oh, exciting. I did. So as you all know, uh, and I mean all, um, oh. my football team won the Super Bowl. And yes, congratulations. Yeah, I feel like I'm responsible for it. But my sister and I, we got up early on Wednesday and we actually went to the parade and we stayed. So like the parade is for however, like 20 blocks long. And then the rally takes place at Union Station. We were at like 17th and Grand and we had tickets to a, kind of like a roped off area where you couldn't get into it. But they had platforms above the crowd. So like we were on oh. the second tier. And so we were we were literally like even with the players because a lot of the players were on double decker buses. And so it was just so much fun. And my sister, you know, we get there, we get set up and my sister looks at me. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning. She's like, why aren't we drinking? <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because like, like you could bring food and drinks, you know, in bags, but obviously, you know, you really couldn't be bring alcohol, mm -hmm. uh, you know, outside. So, but, but in our area, they actually had like food trucks and mm -hmm. then they had an alcohol truck. So, and I had about Mark. 12 little tiny bottles of fireball. <laughs> so you I drank little... all 12? No, not all 12. Oh, okay. I shared, <laughs> okay. but, but we had some, uh, we, we drank some fireball and we drank some spicy Bloody Marys. My sister had sangria, but I mean, everybody was celebrating. It was like, Nobody got arrested. It was just such a good time at the whole mm -hmm. city. They they said uh, like a million people were there, but it was probably more like half a million because we don't have a million people in our city. <laughs> they but, came uh, from surrounding towns. A lot city. of people did come. Yeah, they do. Have, the Chiefs do have a lot of fans, mm -hmm. uh, not just countrywide, but you know worldwide. Mm -hmm. So so I did that. So that was super fun. And I got home uh, after we ate a really greasy lunch. Got home and just kind of crashed on the couch for a little bit because that's pretty draining but it was so exciting and so much fun yes so and then yeah. i hear you have a drug house story so yeah so this happened so i unfortunately live next door to a an ex drug house the city has boarded it up it's great Does like that, two houses so down Wait, to clarify, when you say drug house, do you mean it was a grow up or do you mean it used to be a dealer that it used there? to be a dealer who lived there? Yeah. Okay. So they had been busted several times. I, I don't understand how people can like be out of prison in no time. 
Like they get busted mm-hmm. for drugs and kidnapping. And then like, I see them three weeks later, still doing the same thing. I'm like, how does this happen? I, I don't know. Your understand. neighbor was a, was your neighbor a kidnapper? Yeah. So like, if you look at the police reports, like they had like kidnapping is one of the charges. Like Holy there were shit. like 18 cops, like, Holy two, shit. like three years ago, there are 18 cops and there was like a big, huge sting. And I, I stayed, I called work and I said, Hey, cause I went home to take care of Molly. And I'm like, Hey, I'm gonna be late because I got to find out what's going on. There's too many cops around my house. So anyway, so long story short, they finally like people, I, I'm not quite sure if they got arrested or died yeah. or what the deal is, but uh, finally there was no action. They boarded it up. The city came and cleaned out the lot. I mean, it was like they had tires. They had so much trash. Mm. It was just awful. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, this neighborhood that I live in is super cute, except for the stupid drug house. And then two, two houses down, we have a house that burned like again, three years ago, it burned down and nobody's done Whoa. anything with it. So anyway, so they boarded up this house and it's been boarded up for probably six months or so. Yeah. And so last night I had, I was in bed and I was playing a game on my phone and I had Mm -hmm. the uh, fan going and I had the vaporizer going or the humidifier, I guess, going. And I hear this noise. I'm like, what is that? And so I get up and I look out the window and these people are prying off this huge plywood uh, that's covering a door. So I look out the window and they're running from the backyard out to a car and then they take off. So I'm running out to the, to the front door and I open up the door and I'm pointing at them as they're driving by. Like, I saw you. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, stupid. So then I like get some zip ties that I have mm-hmm. and I freaking took zip ties to the gate and, and zip tied it shut. I'm like, oh, if you're going to break in here, you're going to have to do a little bit. You know, yeah. you're going to need knives. You're going to need something to get past this because at least you know that I know now. So, mm-hmm. but they haven't, like, it hasn't been messed with since last night. But this is like one o'clock in the morning. That is wild. Yeah. And like, it didn't go up for sale or anything like that? No, I can't figure out why the stupid burnt down house isn't up for sale and why the drug house isn't up for sale. I don't understand this. And it's such a cute little neighborhood. It's a bunch of little old mm. people and they're super nice. And I can't for the life of me figure out what is happening. That's so, wild. It was a it was a pretty crazy night last night. It was uh it was okay, well, so I'm a little tired today. <laughs> don't invite people to shoot you, please. No, I won't. Uh, <laughs> I promise. I know. I make bad decisions like really early in the morning because it's like, go ahead, come at me, thinking you know, I'm bulletproof and all that stuff when really I'm just mm-hmm. sleep deprived. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's a lot more interesting than <laughs> it's been. It's been a, wa- a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. You've had a week. I've had quite the week. Yes. <laughs> so in and among these exciting activities, what yes. have you been reading or watching? Okay. So I did everybody a favor and I actually watched the movie, your place or mine. And yes. it has, it's the movie with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. And I think, oh, yeah. I think it's it's Taro's in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. So, look, I absolutely love Reese and Ashton as separate actors. I mean, I think they're great. Like, I like their movies. They're adorable. Super adorable. But together, they have zero chemistry. It is awful. It is like watching a brother and sister. So, I'm like, not that you're watching a brother and sister, but I'm just saying it's. It's just so awkward yeah. and it's so unbelievable. And everybody knows how I am about chemistry. I need to mm-hmm. see it on screen. 
And Mm -hmm. as adorable as they are in separate stuff, they are not adorable on screen together. It was very awkward. And I was actually uncomfortable watching it because it was just, I know. And it really had a good premise, but it just failed miserably. So So I mean, skip it. That's a certified skip it. It it is a certified skip it for me. Just, you know, and I know you want to watch it because they're so adorable, but it's not worth the two hours, but Tig is pretty funny in it. I will tell you that. Tig's pretty funny. So, Ooh, so she, she might be the uh, the uh, glue for that that entire movie. Yeah. Just an FYI. So there is a little bit of queer rep in there. So, but that's it. It's going to be queer rep. Elisa Signataro, who is that's just true. Like, cool. <laughs> so cool. Such a legend. Right. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. We and love some her. great lines in this movie for sure. So is it worth, movie. is it worth bringing it up? on say rather than a tv but on like a web browser where you can do like you know if you hover over the timeline on netflix it will show you a little preview so is it worth it to bring it up there and just like go to all the tignataro yes probably i mean yeah i mean that's a tough call because for her role alone it's Mm -hmm. hilarious but she isn't in the movie enough to justify you know saying Yeah. yeah go ahead and spend two hours of your life watching it it's just there's, they had so yeah. much potential. They really did. It's a cute story, but ugh, they just fell. There's no chemistry. Okay. All Let's right. I'm skipping anyway, it. So, yeah. And I'm also watching 1923, which is a prequel to Yellowstone. And let me oh. tell you, I still cannot get into Yellowstone. I can't do uh-huh. it. I've tried like, I'm not kidding when I say this. I have tried watching that four times, four times. To- I've never given anything four times. But I loved the the little miniseries, the prequels that they have to mm-hmm. this, like the 19 or 1883 was mm-hmm. great. And then 1923, I just need to know what happens. You know, it's great actors. It's Harrison Ford. It's Helen Mirren. I mean, Ooh. matriarch, matriarch of this. It's like, yep. it's a really good cast and there's a great storyline and I just need shit to happen faster. I'm like on episode six out of eight and I need that son to get his ass home from Africa. He's trying to get home. And because he's out trying to find himself and justify everything because he was in the war and it did a lot of uh, emotional damage. So he finally like his. This isn't going to turn into his own little personal heart of darkness, is it? You know, I don't know. There's only two episodes left and we still haven't made it home yet. So I'm going crazy. Uh, So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen, but I am watching that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started Wolfpack. What's that? So Wolfpack is uh, with Sarah Michelle Geller. Mm. Oh, okay. And I'm only at the beginning because there's only a few episodes out, but it's about werewolves. And some of them are queer. What? Yes. So yes. this might turn into an official recommendation later if it into, holds yeah. up. Right. There's a lot of blood and guts and wounds. And the first episode is super tense, but it was enough to, to draw me in, you know? Why oh, not? Nice. Yeah, All right. So. Well, I will skip that one forever, but I yes. will listen to anything you have to say. Right. About it. And it's Sarah Michelle Geller. I mean, Buffy, come on. Yes. So yeah. if it's not vampires, we're dealing with werewolves. So I'm in like that alone. I'm in. Very good. Yes. And of course, I'm still doing The Last of Us where Joel and Ellie are out of Kansas City and they're headed west and mm. the episode still drops good? tonight. So yeah, still good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. You know how I am. Did you see the big GQ interview with Bella Ramsey where she talks about how uh, she's non-binary and no! 
Kind of switches between all the pronouns for that particular interview, chose she, her. It's going in the next issue of our newsletter, which for people who are listening by the time this drops will be the previous, the last issue, last week's issue of the newsletter. But for Chris, it's dropping in three days. So So that's please enjoy. Okay. Tomorrow you'll get a test. You'll get a test email tomorrow (laughs) as I'm building it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what does this look like? And I need, you know, it still ends up in my, my spam. So I got to figure that out. Even though I've accepted it and said, this is okay. I Mm. still don't, it's weird. I don't understand it. All right. People listening, are you having issues with the newsletter or are you loving the newsletter? Either way, let us know at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. And you can still love it and have issues with it too. Like me. That is also true. Right. That is very true. What about you? What have you been reading or watching or what's going on in your life? All right. So regular drag race update, still enjoying season 15, still love the Queens, still wish the episodes were longer, but guess what? The episodes are getting longer again. Oh, Uh, I forget which day in March, but in March, they're going back to the 90 minute or however long it, I don't know how long it is when it's actually running with commercials, but it's going to be the full 60 minutes of content coming back out, which is so, it's so good. Apparently the real whatever it's called of WeHo crashed and burned, which is what they had devoted the other half hour to oh, on MTV. Okay, good. People were not enjoying it. And unfortunately, like drag race mm-hmm. fans were going after some of the people on this show, which is like, that's not fair. They're not MTV execs. They right. have nothing to do with it. One of them even is Brad Goreski. And the thing that I find so bonkers about that is he's a judge on Canada's drag race. So drag race fans what? <laughs> are going after this guy. Who's a judge on a different franchise within the, yeah. Drag race That's fans weird. are very passionate often to the point of being a problem, unfortunately, but I just watched the episode two days ago with the lip sync Lala Perusa smackdown, whatever it's called. Because every name has like four names in it. It was so, so, so good. It was an episode with nothing but lip syncs. And so it started with all of the queens that were there to that point. I think there were 10 and they get paired up and the ones who win get to, and actually the way they did this is so freaking smart. So They had one of the pit crew, like those like super hot in Speedo oiled up dudes. Mm -hmm. They had Bruno, who's like, actually, he is so beautiful. He has the most beautiful (laughs) eyes. This is where I'm showing up in my full pansexual self. I love everybody. (laughs) It's including Bruno. And they had him pick a name, almost like somebody picking bingo uh, bingo balls Mm -hmm. out of the like with the turning thing and the whatever. And so he would pick out the name and whoever it was, was going to lip sync and they got to choose who they were lip syncing against. And then the person that they chose got to choose the song they're lip syncing to. Oh. And so there would be strategy involved in like, okay, I'm going to pick this person because I think I can beat them. And then the person that they chose is like, well, I'm going to pick this song because I know that I can do it better than this person. Or I don't think they're going to know the words. That was actually one of the funniest ones was somebody chose a song convinced that the other person wouldn't know the words, but then forgot that they also didn't know the words. (laughs) 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 Oh, she's like the sweetest, but dumbest of the Queens this season. I think she's just a little baby. 
And so as they would go on, the ones who won would get to go back to the workroom where they were actually watching what was happening. They had a, mm-hmm. like a T, they had a screen set up for them so they could watch, but it would always cut out before Rue would say who won the round. Mm-hmm. And so they would have to wait well, until that queen until walked walk in. <laughs> into the workroom. And then the ones, all the ones who lost, they had to go up against each other until oh. it got down to the final two. And then that's how they decided who left the show. But it was so good because there's a couple, there's like a few queens that are really, really good dancers, but like the best ones, like obviously the ones that nobody would want to lip sync against was Sasha Colby, who I've talked about before. She's mm-hmm. this like huge, huge figure in the, like literally your favorite drag queen's favorite drag queen. She won Miss Continental in 2012, I think was the year, which is like a really big drag pageant. And then there's Anitra, who's one of the newer queens, but like during the talent show in the first episode, Anitra did a lip sync, but in it also because she does martial arts, one of the pit crew guys was holding a piece of wood and she broke it with her fucking foot. And so everybody's like, I don't want to lip sync against this bitch and I don't want to lip sync against this bitch, which meant they lip sync against each other in what might be the greatest lip sync in the history of RuPaul's Drag Race. It was so good. It was so good. I just, I got so much joy out of it. It was so wonderful. There were none of the forced, like, I'm going to talk about my trauma while doing my makeup. Like it was just oh good, all lip syncing, a little bit of shade in the workroom. I just, I loved it. If you like performances, if you love watching lip syncs and you don't give a shit about any of the rest, just go find that episode of season 15. Like you don't have to know any of the rest of it mm-hmm. to enjoy that. I loved it so much. The other thing that I have fallen absolutely in love with. It's a short series on Netflix. I think there's only five episodes, maybe six. It's called Kunk on Earth. Never have heard, you of heard of this. Okay. No, not at all. Have you even heard of the character Philomena Kunk? I'm thinking. Philomena I've heard of several times, but I don't know if it's the same. So Philomena Kunk was a character that would do little bits for a show that Charlie Brooker had. I can't remember what it's called, but it's more of a comedy show. It's it's not Black Mirror, of course. Um but it was this like I think it was like a weekly comedy topical and they and she was a character that they came up with who would like come on to talk authoritatively about things mm-hmm. except she's an idiot. Is the mm-hmm. <laughs> is kind of the and because it's British, oh, she's so deadpan. And so on YouTube, you can go and find like Kunk on Britain, which is about the history of Britain as told by her Kunk on Shakespeare, which is what it sounds like. (laughs) So this is her basically doing the history of Earth in like five or six hours. So very compressed, obviously highly Eurocentric, but it's just like it brings that (laughs) deadpan (laughs) British humor to the floor. But my favorite parts almost always invariably are when she's interviewing experts because these people are truly experts at like (laughs) some of the best universities in the UK and like historians of anything but also of like of music of art of culture of the military and they approach it with complete sincerity And so I watched this interview that she, it was like her and Charlie Brooker and this other guy involved in creating the show. And I'm so glad I watched it because I had questions like, is this kind of like 
what Sasha Baron Cohen used to do mm-hmm. with the Ali G show or with the Borat films? Or is it like that? Like, do they know? Right. And... That's my question. Do they know that they're right. on a mockumentary or whatever? Apparently at this point, yes, they all know because her character is so well known. Like oh, it's been okay. on yeah. so many shows and things like that, but they are told to approach it as though she's a child. And oh, so really? that kind of sincerity <laughs> that an ex- expert would answer questions from children with is what they show up with. And there are some things that happen that like, I was laughing so hard. I was almost crying. One of them was during the episode on religion, which like, if you're still quite religious and like very earnest about your faith, that might be a bit of a difficult episode for you. But if you're more like me where you've walked away from it, or if you're somebody who's <laughs> never been a part of it, you're going to laugh your ass off. Um, there was one expert that she she says to, um, so could you say that Jesus Christ was the first victim of cancel culture? And so this woman <laughs> starts to answer the question quite earnestly. And she's like, no, I'm literally saying, can you say that out loud? Like, I'd like you, can you say Jesus Christ was the first victim of cancel culture? And she gets this look on her face, like almost like all the gears have stopped in her brain briefly. And then says, you could say that Jesus Christ, it was so funny. And then I was watching last night, the episode where it's the one where they talk about like the different world wars and whatever and i forget what was the reason but she's like this is really sad i don't think i can talk about this anymore to this guy who's like very serious like stolid military historian and she's like can we talk about something else and he's like we can talk about anything you like and she says do you like abba and he's like i love abba and i was dead <laughs> i was <laughs> It's so funny, but it also doesn't like, it does not pull punches on history for sure. Like when it's talking about stuff in the U S you know, it talks about slavery as a problem and these, but like in a way where you're laughing and sometimes you're like, is it okay to laugh at this? And it's like, well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, it's, you'll learn some things from the show too, because there is like genuine historical, some of it is obviously stupid because Philomena Kunk is is meant to be an idiot. Like she's not meant to be a smart person, but oh, it's so funny. And I'm so sad. I only have one episode left. And then the last thing, which I'm not going to get into very much, but I have been reading These Thin Lines by mm. one of my faves, Melena Mackay. We all know that I'm a big, big, big fan of uh, her writing. I'm yes. 20% in. I'm enjoying it very much. The concept is there's Vi or Viv. No, Vi- yeah, Vi. Sorry, I was going to say her name was Vivian. Nope, that's a different character in a different book of hers. <laughs> her name is uh, Jean Vieve. And she is kind of perceived as like spoiled rich kid, but actually her family doesn't have money. They're just living as if they still do. Her dad is some kind of something royalty, but she's Mm. actually her mom who passed away when she was, I think a a baby or quite tiny. Her mom was sister to the King of something. So there's this kind of like, Oh, this is like, you know, privileged rich kid, but her dad gets her an internship with a fashion house and she Mm. inconveniently falls for the wife of (gasps) the head of the fashion house. So that's all I'm going to say about it. Okay. All right. Because I have a feeling 
that it will be an official recommendation. It's not the only reason I was reading it. I was going to read it anyway. But yesterday, as I texted you, I was like, yeah, I thought I could read a whole book in a day. Um, (laughs) The lies we tell ourselves sometimes. (laughs) And when I realized that wasn't going to be possible, I watched something that actually turned out to be wonderful and was my official recommendation. So, Chris. Yes. What is your official recommendation this week? My official recommendation is the CBS show ghosts and, and everybody's like, what? Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about this. Please do. Here's the synopsis. I'm going to read kind of what it's about because they could do it better than I could. Samantha, a cheerful freelance journalist and Jay, an up and coming chef from the city throw both caution and money to the wind when they decide to convert a huge rundown country estate they inherited into a bed and breakfast only to find it's inhabited by many spirits of deceased residents. The Departed Souls are a close-knit, eclectic group that includes a saucy Prohibition-era lounge singer, a pompous 1700s militiaman, a 60s hippie fond of hallucinogen... Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to... A hippie who likes drugs. Uh, Um, A hippie who likes that LSD and the mushrooms (laughs) and that DMT. Right. And an overly upbeat 80s scout troop leaders. If the spirits were anxious about the commotion. uh, Okay, so I'm just going to just talk about it because it's just it goes on and on. And it's like they realize that first they're so upset that like they're they're these ghosts have been living in this estate for some hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And I think one has actually been there for at least a thousand years. Thorfinn. Wow. Big, yeah. And so, but then you have somebody who's there as recent as I think the 1990s. So, yeah. uh, but they're all like this little family and they're just so upset that somebody's actually moving in. And then when they find mm-hmm. out that it's a bed and breakfast, they're like, this is awful. I can't believe that this is going to happen to our home. And of course, you know, Sam and Jay, they can't, they don't know that there are ghosts there, but then Sam falls and hits her head and all of a sudden she can see the ghosts and she can talk to them. And that's clever. The, the only problem is the mm-hmm. husband can't. And so, you know, I, I was kind of desperate for something to watch. I really was. Cause yeah. you know me, I have the TV on all the time and I need to have something on that kind of entertains me. Mm-hmm. And so my friend Frizz and her wife talked about it. And so I was like, she was talking about it and I'm like, ah, no, it sounds lame. Thanks. No, thanks. <laughs> so, um, so then like, F you Frizz. Right. You can't be right. <laughs> You're not right about this. So like the first season came and went. And then like in the second season, we just decided to go ahead and just start it. Just why not? Mm-hmm. And it was actually really, really good. It was just so delightful. And here's that. the great thing. So one of the characters is Captain Isaac Higgintoot. What? I know. And he's played by Brandon Scott Jones. And he is a former American Revolution officer who passes away from dysentery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, so he uh, shat himself to death. <laughs> basically, yes. Uh. And, and so here's the thing. So like during the 300 years that he is stuck on this at this place and they can't leave. There's like a perimeter. Ghosts have all mm. these perimeters where they can't leave a certain area. And so it's 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 really kind of clever how they've done this. Yeah. How, you know, you the kind of get a building. service idea. Yeah. And then you get to know each of the characters layer by layer and how it kind of they intertwine with each other. So it's actually very cleverly written. Mm. So yeah. So anyway, so this this Isaac, he is gay 
and he doesn't know how to he 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 comes from a time when it wasn't okay and he doesn't understand his feelings and he actually and when he was alive he had a wife and even his wife is like yeah you're totally gay but never (laughs) really said you're totally gay just like yeah we all know that there's something different about you so Mm -hmm. he's trying to figure out what it is what makes him different and like when he's around the other ghosts he pretends he's all like manly and he loves the women he's like oh yeah she's blah 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 but in reality he's like straying towards you know the men that he either whether it's ghosts or guests of the place and his best friend is Hetty. She's a, uh, oh my gosh, she's hilarious. She's probably my favorite character. Uh, she was the, um, how do I want to say this? She was like the head. She was, the, I guess, the the ma'am of the house at one mm. point. Uh, ma'am, so she's like rich from the estate. And she hates Irish. And it's just so funny. Like anytime yeah. that's anything about Irish, you know, she's like, she turns angry like you too. Like somebody plays YouTube <laughs> music and she gets angry. But it's kind of cool because- they don't know anything about them. They don't know anything because they're stuck at this mm-hmm. estate. And so here comes Sam and Jay and they have the internet. And so mm-hmm. they're like, these people want to know, like, what happened to them? Like, are they popular? Are they famous? Because like, there's a, there's a singer and she wants to know, like, first of all, she wants to know how she died mm-hmm. and nobody knows there's nothing on the internet yet, but they're like constantly asking for, you know, for help on, on trying to figure out how I died. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so back to Captain Isaac, the cool thing is he ta- he finds out about Hamilton, about how successful Hamilton was and how oh. there was a musical about him. And he's devastated because he hates Hamilton <laughs> and he's upset because he's only a footnote in the Revolutionary War. That's it. He, nobody uh, knows him. Nobody knows anything yeah. about him. And he, he's like, I was a great diplomat. I was a great captain. And nobody knows that. And so mm-hmm. he has managed to ask Sam to write his uh, biography for him. So, wow. but he, it's so cute because he kind of falls for this uh, red coat. There's a, a couple of red coats that live in a shed out back. And, <laughs> uh, so he's, he's super, he doesn't know what to do. He's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Like, do I kiss him? Do I not? Yeah. And just watching that whole relationship kind of un like just kind of reveal itself it's just so adorable and you're so it's just and everybody's supportive of him like you can do this you know go and and go be with him and and date him and ask him out and all this stuff Mm -hmm. and and it's nigel nigel he's the red coat (laughs) and so it's kind of it's really cute to watch their relationship and they finally are a couple but nothing's happened and they finally kissed they finally kissed after this long so So they were on different sides of the war they were on different sides of the war enemies to lover (laughs) and it's even funnier once you find out how nigel dies because we all know how uh isaac dies Mm. and and it's funny like everything about it's just it's so clever so i recommend it if you're if you like cleverness and different layers and how Mm -hmm. all of a sudden things start falling into place like mm-hmm. I like something when you're like, oh, that's kind of random and out there. And then all of a sudden it, it, it turns into, here we go. It's the jigsaw. It falls into yeah. place and it turns yeah. into something really clever. So yeah. I like it because it's clever and there is a queer character and he is supported by everybody there. And they all encourage him, even though they're all from different generations, different you know walks of life, mm-hmm. different centuries, different decades. It's just really cool. And, and how they die is how they are. So like the hippie, 
she's actually, you find out that she's actually very, very smart, but she died mm-hmm. when she was high. So she's always high. <laughs> so oh. she can't really process things. Like uh, she'll have like a really smart moment and all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah. So, and a lot of times she'll just play that, that she doesn't remember things because it's safer that way. Mm. So it's just a really cute show and it's, you know, it's a half hour out of your week and uh, it's really cute. So I recommend it because it's positive queer uh, network on network television here in the United States that, you know, Mm -hmm. we normally don't get. So, although I will say this, I have noticed in the last year, we're getting a lot of rep on primetime TV. Good. Yes, I have noticed that. So that is a bonus. And because I could have recommended any, there's so many shows now that have Mm -hmm. them and I just love it. So anyway, it's great. You know, I recommend it. And what about you? What is your official recommendation this week? Okay. So like I mentioned, I, a fool, thought I was going (laughs) to read a whole book yesterday. And when it became apparent that I wasn't, I went to Netflix and I typed in LGBTQ mm-hmm. and then was like, mm, this looks cute. And then it checked Rotten Tomatoes. Cause again, I'm not going to watch something with like a 5% right. score on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and actually the score was like very high. So my official recommendation is called Dating Amber. It is oh. a platonic rom-com set in oh. 1995 Ireland. I know it doesn't make sense when I say platonic rom-com yet. It will in about... 45 seconds. Okay. (laughs) So this movie is about Eddie and Amber. They're both gay and they're closeted at school. They're at different points in their journey because Amber can at least say out loud to him that she's gay. He can't even say it out loud to himself Uh, yet at that point. mm -hmm. However, they're both very tired of being made fun of at school. Eddie is being called the F slur all the time. Amber is being called a lesbian and not in like a cool neutral way, but in like a really shitty, you know, teenagers in the 90s being assholes kind of way. And so they want to get everybody off their back. So they pretend to be dating each other. And it all works fantastically until they go to Dublin and find a gay bar because on their second trip there, they each have experiences that really kind of change Mm. them and the nature Mm. of their relationship. So this actually takes place only a couple of years after homosexuality was decriminalized in Ireland, which Mm. I was surprised to learn. I didn't know. I mean, I know they're kind of behind they're they're behind North America and other parts of Europe in a lot of ways. Like I think wasn't abortion only just decriminalized within the last few years or something like that. Like it's a very, very Catholic country. Mm-hmm. They find uh different ways of poking fun of that at that. One of the funniest I thought was <laughs> the fake sex ed video that they showed to everybody with like <laughs> nuns in it making hand gestures and <laughs> it was very that part was very funny. Um, But the film is actually largely based on the personal experiences of the guy who wrote and directed it, his name, uh, David Frayne. And there was a great interview that he did with the Queer Review where he said, and this is a quote, it's pretty autobiographical. It's not entirely truthful, but all the really bad bits are true and all the really embarrassing stuff happened, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because there's things like there's an example he references of the uh, Eddie's mom finds a notebook it's it's like a little thin notebook but he's kind of crumpled it and thrown it in the the little trash bin in his room and when she opens it up it's just a bunch of drawings he's made of cocks (laughs) (laughs) that that was when he was like unfortunately (laughs) 
something that like happened. that happened yeah. to me oh yeah um and the other bit that i thought was kind of cool that i learned from that was that they actually went back and they were able to film it all where he grew up oh, so cool. yeah yeah like his it sounds like his story is very much like eddie's story although we don't hear from who his amber was if there was one mm. And, you know, Eddie and Amber each also have challenges at home. Eddie's dad is in the army. He wants him to join too as like a quote unquote family tradition. Mm -hmm. And Eddie is like a pretty standard, like what you would see kind of in, in Hollywood for your like tall, thin, effeminate, trying not to be effeminate guy. Mm -hmm. And at the same time too, his parents' marriage is on the rocks, which seems to mostly be because his dad is stationed somewhere else for six months at a time being in the military. And so he's just trying to be good and live up to what he thinks are his parents' expectations and keeping in mind, it's not like, sure, homosexuality has been decriminalized, but it's not like it's easy or safe to, Right. it wasn't an easy, safe time to be a queer teenager in North America, let alone a country that only just decriminalized it. And then when you look at Amber, her dad died by suicide at some point prior to the events of the film. It seems like it was not like immediately prior but maybe within the year or two probably about a year before it mm -hmm. um and she has the stigma of not only does everyone know that her dad died by suicide but that she was the one who found him and so everybody treats her quite differently because of it and it's like kind of a misfit and mm -hmm. this is on top of like yeah shouting at her that she's a lesbian or whatever and her relationship with her mom is just strained because they're trying to sort of like muddle their way through and she's she tries not to upset her mom too much and but amber has this plan she's gonna get the fuck out of ireland she doesn't want to live in a small town anymore she's gonna move to london and so her plan and this is so kind of i thought it was brilliant just to show how crafty she is so she lives in a trailer park and the trailer opposite to where she lives is empty and i can't remember Maybe I had had an edible or two before I started watching this. <laughs> so certain details are perhaps not as crisp as they could be. Here we are. <laughs> so I think she and her mom like do cleaning around there or something like that. But regardless, nobody lives in this particular one. And so she rents out access after school to other kids at the high school so they can come there <laughs> and have sex. And she charges them 10 pounds each. So she saved up 2000 pounds, which again, wow. if you think. If you think 2000 pounds in 1995, like, <laughs> yeah, that would have set her up just fine in London. So highly enterprising, super smart, way smart and like big time feminist. Like she's, you know, goes on about how bikini kill is where it's at. Fuck Oasis. <laughs> and she's asking Eddie if he's read Simone de Beauvoir, which of course he hasn't. Right. And neither of them really have friends. And here's the thing that I thought was really beautiful was that when they agree on their fake relationship, they actually end up becoming each other's best friend. Oh. You know, kind of that, like, there's something really good that's there. I found the first scene at the gay bar really moving. So they're both hammered. They they decide to, like, skip out a part of the school day, took the train to Dublin. They had a bottle of whiskey with them, which they kind of split. And they end up, they see, like, you know, the flag by this come downstairs to this gay bar. And they go in there. and you know, Amber finds this really cute girl who's only a couple of years older than her going to university because they're in their last year of high school. That's the thing okay. I should have said first. They are in their last year of high school. These are not like 14 year olds. <laughs> These are like 18 or nearly 18 year olds. And so she meets this like quite cute girl there who's like, hey, come back to this event if you maybe want to see each other again. But Eddie is like, he's almost shaking 
Cause like oh. I said, he's not even out to himself. Like he knows, but he's in denial. Mm-hmm. And there's this drag queen who's performing at the back of the room with, you know, the big stage light kind of, it's not up on a stage, but like it's a staged area. And Eddie is, I just found it so beautiful and moving the way Eddie is drawn to her. And she ends up holding him as she's singing this like Peggy Lee ballad. And it was just, there's something that felt almost outside of time, but like seeing Eddie emotionally get something he needed that he couldn't get at home mm, yeah, because he didn't feel safe being out, which is different from the something he needed that Amber was able to give him. Like it was just this different level. It was just, it was so beautiful. It's really hard to peg exactly what kind of film this is. I called it a platonic rom-com because that's what it got called in that interview with the queer review. And I think that Mm. is the closest thing to describe it. But I think for North American viewers, we have kind of an idea of what a rom-com is and we have an idea of what the pacing would be like. And like, it's slower than what you or I might be used to. And the humor isn't also necessarily exactly what you and I would expect Mm -hmm. out of a rom-com. And it does deal with very serious topics. Like I was talking about like parental suicide and parents who are maybe going to divorce, but it all just kind of works. And the ending I think is really the most positive it could possibly be for both Eddie and Amber. They do not, neither of them ends up doing exactly what they thought they were going to do, but it's the thing that is so perfect and is so right for them. It was so (laughs) fitting. And I maybe cried a little bit, but it was like happy crying. Okay. So it was not like, (laughs) it it was not the last of us crying, which is a whole other type of crying. (laughs) Sobbing. (laughs) Sobbing. Yes. Um, So the ending was like, a little bit emotional, but like a hundred percent perfect. So Good. yes, I just think it's a really beautiful layered. There's just something really wonderful there. Definitely like that kind of coming of age. And as someone who like, I was in high school at that time too. Those characters are only like a couple years older than I would have been at that, at that mm-hmm. point. So I loved I loved it. Really, really loved it. Definitely recommend it. And I hope other people love it too. Well, now I'm going to have to watch it. Yay! Yay! Mm, 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 mm. (laughs) And I Um, did do, I looked at Kunk on Earth because you were talking to you know her and I was like, do I know her? And so that looks like something I'm going to watch too. So kudos. You've given some really great recommendations this episode. Well, I think I am also going to take you up on your recommendation because... I need to watch something after I finish Kunk on Earth. So yeah. I'm going to go find ghosts and I'm going to check that it's, out. Yeah, it's, you know, for for television, for primetime TV, you know, I mean, most of it, it's pretty safe mm-hmm. PG type. It's actually super cute. It is super yes. cute. I love that. All right. We're going to watch each other's recommendations. That Yay. is all for this episode. Thank you so much to everyone who has listened. If you've enjoyed the episode, please make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll get notified when we release an episode. If you have a friend that you think would like the show, please tell them about it. If you'd like to support us, we have links in the show notes to our coffee and our newsletter sign up or consider rating and reviewing on the podcast app that you're listening to if they have that because it can help with visibility. Yay, and we need that. 
So, or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, we have links in the show notes for that as well. Or you can just search for Curly Recommended on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, TikTok. How's the TikTok going anyway? Are we doing good on that? I don't know. <laughs> we are. Tr- Listen, we are trying our best. TikTok is my okay, least TikTok. favorite of all the apps that exist. And so perhaps <laughs> I post our clips slightly less frequently there. Um, I tell you, Twitter fights me. Like every time I try to post a clip, they're like, nope. Nope, we're not going to post this. It'll just sit there and just spool. And I'm like, come on. Twitter's getting getting weird. It is. And that's too bad. But I mean, you can still find us there. You know, we're still there. You can Mm -hmm. just email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. So you'll find us. We're around. Plus, you know us. So anyway, goodbye, everyone. Bye, everybody. 